a place I'd give the world to see Where the music's softly playing And the rhythm's gently swaying Underneath the stars and a million bars Guitars are softly saying Mexico <laughs> so, tell me, John Bonfilio, are the guitars softly swaying uh, there in Mexico where you are? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much always. Yeah. Yes, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Who chooses, um, who chooses the music? Uh, well, I, I'm blaming Mark for that one, 100%. That was uh, entirely down to him. Uh, so, uh, yeah, excellent. Is it from a TV show, that, Mark? I think it is, isn't it? One of those... It may be, but it's, uh, it's Long John Baldry and uh, Mexico. It's, it's, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, why didn't I discover it years ago? It's amazing, isn't it? Was it the yeah, Mexicans it... as well with the absolutely massive guitars? Were they uh, playing that one? Oh, they? yeah, yeah. They were all joining You'd hope so. You'd hope so. So, anyway, John Bonfilio was our man uh, in Mexico. Uh, John, I suppose the, the, the place we have to start is uh, Brazil. We'll talk about their uh, success in the Copa Libertadores very shortly. But um, the, uh, there's a new variant of, um, of COVID and uh, travel from uh, Brazil to the UK uh, has been banned. And uh, obviously hospitals in Brazil, uh, in Rio and elsewhere are being overwhelmed at the moment. Yeah, in particular in, in, in Manaus that we, we spoke about mm. probably about eight months ago now that they were digging mass graves and they seem to have, you know, got, got over the peak of the, of the issue. And then recently this new variant that's cropped up, as you say, in, in Brazil, which bizarrely has been known about since, since July, uh, although I hadn't heard about it, but, um, has managed to spike cases in Manaus. So they've had to, they've had to airlift out premature babies, uh, airlift, airlifting in oxygen and people and doctors are, are taking um, patients in their own vehicles out of state to be able wow. to access, um, yeah, ventilators. Get a load of this. Because there's a lack of oxygen and a lack of ventilators, there is manual ventilation now. They're calling for people to man shifts in hospital, in hospitals um, in, in Manaus and Amazonas State, Brazil's biggest state, in order to basically pump the manual ventilators to get air into the lungs of the, of the COVID patients. Uh, absolutely, you know, remarkable. And... After the, the the last trough that Manaus suffered, I guess we say a few months ago, who would have mm. thought that this was, you know, a, a new new depths that that were being plumbed? I, su- I suspect that these variants are not, you know, we're going to be hearing more and more about them. But as you say, the, the general worry seems to be that they're thought to be, well, in the UK context, they're known to be more infectious. This Brazilian variant is fairly new, but it's thought to be more infectious. Um, and there's a worry, of course, that perhaps. You know, these these variants won't actually be susceptible to the vaccines which have been uh, which are now being rolled out. Yeah, I, I think I, I've seen a couple of scientists this week who seem to think uh, that uh, they will be susceptible to the vaccines and the vaccines will work with the new variants. Uh, as much as they did with the, you know, with the traditional COVID-19, if you like, with the original um, pandemic. So, you know, fingers crossed that the, that the scientists that I've been watching on the TV uh, are right about. I don't, I, I mean, at the moment they're calling them new variants, which is great, because when they first started, they were calling them mutant strains. 
And I thought, if you're talking about pandemic, there are certain words you don't like to hear. And one of them is mutant. You know, another one is apocalypse, <laughs> zombie. Yeah. Any of those words you really don't want to hear scientists using them. So variant, at least, is, um, is not. But it is it's nonetheless pretty. It does a little. It, it, well, nonetheless, it is pretty frightening. Uh, right, and in the midst of this, we have uh, an all-Brazil final to look forward to in the Copa Libertadores, which, as we said last week, is the sort of Latin American equivalent of the uh, Champions League. It is, yep. The uh, the third all-Brazil final in the Copa Libertadores history. Uh, six out of ten of the last of the previous winners have been Brazilian, and the two outgoing semi-finalists have been um, two Argentine uh, teams in terms of River Plate and, and Boca Juniors, two obviously really famous uh, teams, both nationally and internationally there. And uh, it'll be played towards the end of the, the month at the famous Maracana in Rio de Janeiro uh, between Palmeiras and, and Santos. Palmeiras, uh, Sao Paulo team uh, of Italian kind of heritage, broadly a club which plays lots of different sports. So uh, football is one of those and Santos for sure, one of the most famous um, mm. clubs in, in Brazil. Pelé played there in, uh, for most of his, for almost all of his career, except for the New York Jets' little interlude. And, um, uh, and that team of the 60s was regarded as being one of the best club teams of, of all time and famous for playing the, the Jogo Bonito, the beautiful game. Um, so these two, these two illustrious clubs that have won four uh, Copa Libertadores Cups between them will meet towards the end of the, uh, the month, making all Brazilians very happy. Yes, yes. Well, uh, and uh, you know they could do with a bit of uh, a bit of joy yeah, in the middle absolutely. of what's going going on at the moment. Um, on uh, Edison Cavani, uh, I mean, we know we, we saw him play for Manchester United the other night, uh, so we sort of know what's happening over here. I think the FA are looking into whether he. Uh, um, I don't know whether he's going to be, I read somewhere that maybe he's been going to be banned for three weeks, not too sure. Um, but there's an interesting, this is because of his tweet, which was deemed to be racist. But there's a different perspective on it, I suppose, from a Latin American point of view. Yeah, there is. Um, it's really interesting because it's looked at completely differently over here. And actually it harks back to about 10 years ago, the Luis Suarez, Patrice Ebra incident, which, I mean, that was way worse if you like there was you know an issue on the pitch and so on but it basically dealt with the same with the same word which translates literally as it's negro in spanish or brazilian which translates as as black in um in english but yeah. when you look at the word as it's spelt in in spanish or brazilian it, it much more appears to be the n-word which obviously you know is highly pejorative and and complex and so there's a sort of sense here in latin america and in particular in in Uruguay, where the Uruguayan Players Association has stood by Edison Cavani, and even Comebol, which is the equivalent of UEFA, has actually protested against uh, the punishment for Edison Cavani. The general perspective here is that it's basically been, you know, misconstrued, and that it's a, it's a cultural difference. Of course, the FA, you know, for, for a number of years now, have said that there's no excuse for for not being able to understand cultural differences, and that's a body of work that that has to be undertaken by players, especially obviously in the social media environment where we that we currently exist globally. But for sure, here in Latin America, there's a kind of a general incredulity as to what's taking place as regards the, the Edinson Cavani punishment. Yeah, this was a tweet to a friend of his, though, wasn't it? It was, totally. And he, and he deleted it straight afterwards as well. It was a response saying, you know, thanks uh, with the word, um, jokingly. And, um, and he was alerted to the significance of it immediately afterwards. And within minutes, it was... 
It was deleted uh, as ever with these things. Content, sorry, context and intent are really important. And generally, um, it's been sort of regarded that, well, the FA has, has, has agreed that it wasn't intentionally racist, but it was still offensive. So there has to be some kind of, so he's almost being made an example of, um, I think, but it, it certainly wasn't a, you know, a flagrant display of, of uh, racism. Um, as you can, as happened with Luis Suarez, I mean, you, there was clearly intent mm. in that particular exchange and that particular use of the same word 10 years ago in a way that there wasn't really with, with Edinson Cavani. Right. And, and just finally, the, um, you know, we've talked a fair bit about corruption. Uh, well, every week we've talked about corruption. Tell me about the Honduran president. That's an interesting story. This is a remarkable, oh, it would be remarkable, as you say, if it wasn't something which, you know, which, which occurred so regularly. This is the Honduran president, and Honduras is one of um, the U.S.'s biggest allies in, in the region. Um, traditionally, it's been accused of colluding with cartels, has been cited as being a co-conspirator in the southern district of, of New York, um, essentially for protecting cartels in, um, in the region. His brother is already in prison. Tony Hernandez is uh, a lawyer and a convicted drug trafficker. He's already in prison in in Miami for, for offences as of a, a couple of years ago. And as you say, with, with corruption, I think it's really interesting because a couple of weeks ago on your show, I said I made some kind of sweeping statement about the, the fact that basically dealing with government in local, federal, in Latin America was often like dealing with organised crime, which may have seen, seemed to have been, you know, hyperbole for the, for the casual listener. But if you, if you look at the stats uh, country by country, year on year, they're absolutely staggering. And that's the people that we know about. Just that mm. the, in terms of Peru, if you look at presidents in Peru over the course of the last three, 30 years, every president of Peru, except for one, the most recent Martin Vizcarra that was ousted for trying to actually put a stop to, to corruption recently. Everyone is either, be, is either in prison, is either being investigated for corruption offences or has, or has committed suicide to, to avoid jail. And equally in Mexico, the last um, two most senior military officials of the last two uh, governments in Mexico – um, have been indicted by the U.S. federal courts uh, for drugs trafficking offences as well. I mean, it is just endemic. You can't overstate the level of corruption across the region in governmental circles. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll find many more of those stories uh, to talk about in the in the future. Uh, John, uh, thank you once more for uh, your brings up to date with everything that's happening uh, in your part of the world. And uh, we'll talk again next week, if that's OK. Thank you for the music. You're very welcome. You might hear it again next week. <laughs> you know, get to like it. Uh, John, thanks ever so much. Take care. Uh, John Bonfilio there joining us uh, from Mexico. Thanks for all.